This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Salvaggi. Welcome to Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. Consumers price shop for everything, from a gallon of gas to airline tickets to groceries. The same is not possible in healthcare. Despite costing every American an average of more than $12,000 per year, price information for nearly all healthcare procedures is beyond the reach of ordinary consumers. This dearth of information contributes in no small part to the overall rise in the cost of the US system, making otherwise value-seeking consumers into unwitting accessories to healthcare inflation. Surely, if armed with the relative cost of procedures amongst regional hospitals, cost-conscious consumers could shop their best value, thereby encouraging better prices for everyone. What, if anything, can policymakers do to require hospitals to provide price information? And what would be the effect of price transparency when consumers are empowered to choose the best value? My guest today is Pioneer Institute's Senior Healthcare Fellow, Barbara Anthony. Ms. Anthony has recently released a paper entitled Massachusetts Hospitals' Uneven Compliance with New Federal Price Transparency Law, which outlines state and federal mandates for hospitals to provide prices for their most common procedures and examines the degree to which our hospitals do offer shoppable prices for procedures in a consumer-friendly format. Ms. Anthony makes the case that price transparency compliance can serve to empower healthcare consumers to make choices that lower overall costs while providing hospitals with incentives to control costs and provide better value to everyone. When I return, I'll be joined by Pioneer Institute's senior fellow, Barbara Anthony. Okay, we're back. This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Salvaggi, and I'm now pleased to be joined by Pioneer Institute's Senior Fellow in Healthcare, Barbara Anthony. Welcome back to Hubwonk, Barbara. Oh, thanks. It's great to be back, Joe. Uh, great to see you again. Indeed. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast, uh, but you've been busy. I know you've been an advocate um, uh, for price transparency, among other things, in the healthcare system. It's a, it's a topic and a theme we do touch on quite a bit here at Hubwonk, uh, but you've written a very interesting piece uh, recently entitled Massachusetts Hospitals Uneven Compliance with New Federal Price Transparency Law, which um, uh, is very critical of our Massachusetts hospitals. Um, and uh, you, you, you take them uh, all to task with uh, what the expectations are for price transparencies, who's, who's uh, uh, doing a good job and who's not doing a do- good job. Uh, so let's, uh, let's I want to dive into the observations of the paper, but let's you know let's take our audience uh, uh, back a little bit and and describe for them why do you think whether it's healthcare or frankly any other uh, market why is this so important for individuals consumers to know what the price of what they're buying is? Well, it's a uh, it's pretty uh, I don't want to say it's pretty cut and dry, but it is kind of cut and dry because that's how knowing the price of a product or a service and knowing its quality. This is how we make decisions about what to purchase, what not to purchase, uh, and so on. And, um, you know, whether it's a commodity, a service, whether it's a medical procedure, 
All of that information about price is very, very important to our determinations as to whether we're going to spend our money in a particular place or for a particular service. So that's the way a free market operates, basically. Uh, I don't want to get too um, simplistic about it, but it is basic, you know, supply and demand. And we then allocate our dollars among those goods and services that we choose in terms of the best price quality option for, for each of us. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty important concept in our economic system. So uh, prices allow us as consumers to make choices. We want to get the best value for our dollars. So we want uh, you know best bang for the buck, whatever cliche we want to use. Uh, but what does uh, having prices uh, in the hands of consumers do to the prices themselves? Like if we know what prices are and we can choose, what does the effect in the marketplace have uh, you know, of having that choice? What what do prices do when choices are provided? Well, if um, prices are too high for particular items, let's say, um, I'm trying to think of something right now. Let's say gasoline, that's an example here. You know, we've just gone through uh, a lot of uh, um, angst over gasoline prices. And, um, you know, one result of that is that uh, people perhaps were driving less because they really couldn't afford to pay high gasoline prices or they wanted to conserve it for whatever reason. So people alter their buying behavior in response to price signals, basically that's it. So you might not take that cross country trip if it's gonna cost you $100 to fill up your tank every time you, you have to go to the gas station, you wait for prices to drop. So you'll postpone things, you won't purchase the gas at this time, you'll wait for it to come down. I mean, the, the real estate market's another example right now. I know a lot of people who are in the market to buy, and especially the Massachusetts housing market, which is pretty high, um, they're kind of putting things aside right now. They're waiting for prices to either level off or for sellers to become more receptive to uh, uh, offers or for prices to perhaps drop, which I don't think that they ever do. But, you know, it, it alters prices. Uh, price sends us a signal and we alter our buying behavior uh, in accordance with those signals. Indeed. So we as consumers, uh, we control it. Uh, but three things happen, right? As you say, we might choose alternatives. Uh, we might come up with substitutes to take the bus instead of driving. Uh, but also tells producers produce more of it if the prices right. go up to the point where uh, they become more uh, commoditized, if you will, and, and they become, the prices right. ultimately come down uh, uh, into equilibrium. So let's take these very conceptual concepts. We're talking about gas and houses and bring it down to uh, healthcare. So if we assume that price transparency uh, helps uh, consumers choose and therefore drives uh, prices downward, uh, we like to talk about how much healthcare costs are and how they keep going up. Um, why is it that, uh, given that we like to have prices for gas or for houses, why is it that it seems that consumers don't seem as sensitive to prices when we walk into a hospital, per se? Well, because particularly in Massachusetts, we don't, consumers do not directly pay for the price of health care because most of us, fortunately, are insured. About 97% of Massachusetts consumers are insured. So, we pay insurance premiums, um, and there is a direct connection between the cost of health care and the premiums that we pay, but most of us don't see it that way. We, we may have a $10 copay, a $20 copay, $50, even $100. That's what we see. We don't see that the MRI at you know, one hospital costs $5,000 and in another hospital costs $1,000. We see the $20 copay we have to pay. Now, that that's not true for some people. Some people have large copays, thousands of dollars. For those people, you know, price, I, I believe that those folks 
are price sensitive, I think a problem is that they don't know how to obtain the price of different healthcare services where they have to spend their large deductible before their insurance kicks in. Indeed, those are those are the marginal consumers, and those are the thing. Those are the people who do uh, determine price, right? Uh, uh, Bill Gates can afford gas at any price, uh, and perhaps procedures at any price. <laughs> it's those marginal consumers that are what drive prices down. But you point to a very uh, you know something we've talked about on this podcast many times. There's a disconnect between what we spend uh, with our uh, you know when we walk into a hospital and what what we actually pay uh, when we get our premium, our healthcare premium. Uh, at the end of the year. So we all sort of in the back of our mind know the more we spend collectively on healthcare, the higher that premium is going to go, but we don't really internalize that when we go and make choices inside a hospital. So there, there's fundamentally a, 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 a flaw in the system be, that doesn't share with us how much we actually spend when we visit. So uh, to that end, has um, but if for that marginal consumer, price is, is, is important. What's been done? You're, you're sort of a uh, historian when it comes to healthcare transparency. What has been done, let's say here in Massachusetts, we're on the vanguard of, of certainly high quality health care. What have we done to ensure that health care and those health care prices are transparent to Massachusetts consumers at the state level? Well, first, let me say one, one, one thing before I answer that, is that um, I wouldn't characterize these consumers with high deductible plans as marginal. 11% of the uh, insured population in Massachusetts, and I'm not talking about uh, Medicaid, uh, uh, f- funded uh, consumers in terms of healthcare, but private insurers. Uh, 11% is a large number, and those folks have uh, at least a $3,000 or more deductible. So that's a good chunk of the population. They're not marginal. Their well, problem is that they least, can't. I didn't mean marginal in the sense that they are on the margins. I meant. No, no, no. I meant that they're not just term. small. There's yeah. just, you know, they're not Bill Gates. They're, 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 11% is not a small amount. It's Indeed. a good amount. That's yes. what I mean. But, but they're not, um, I think the problem they have is a problem that everyone has in terms of healthcare prices. We we don't know how to uh, obtain them. We don't know how to find them. It's not an easy task to do. It's intimidating. You're dealing with healthcare. Who you want to ask your doctor how much this visit's going to cost when you're sitting there? You know, the doctor's looking at his watch and his computer, not looking at you, of course. But um, so it's um, it. Unfortunately, you said I was a historian on this. I've never thought of myself as a historian, but we Pioneer has done probably more of these price transparency surveys among hospitals, uh, doctors, specialists, dentists, drugstore retail prices, and also insurance companies, health insurance companies, than probably any um, think tank in the country. So here in Massachusetts, you know, we've done about seven of them since about 2017. And the results in terms of providers, and by providers, I mean hospitals, doctors, uh, specialists, uh, has not been great. Uh, we, we did the first one in 2017 because we have a law in Massachusetts that says you, hospitals need to tell, need to give you information about the price of a procedure before you uh, go there. Um, very bad results. Fast forward to 2022, we just you know, released this new study uh, with, uh, in terms of compliance with the federal law, and we saw some improvement, but it was not terrific. So I think you know, over the years, there has been, if you wanna take a historical view, and I think that's a good one to do, uh, to take, is that uh, transparency has not improved a great deal. And that is notwithstanding, we have state laws that require price transparency for providers and for insurance companies, let me say insurance companies do a better job than the providers do. Uh, but we ha- And we have a federal law 
uh, with respect to providers that's already in effect and has been in effect since 2020. So um, we've got the laws. We don't have a lot of compliance. And what was a problem many, many years ago um, is still a problem today. So I want to drill down. So at the state level, we've dabbled in in, in asking our hospitals to, to be more transparent. But as you mentioned, it came into effect in 2020. It was the Public Health Service Act and the, uh, along with uh, CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid, they promulgated regulations to make, to mandate um, more transparency. Um, you, you, you list them in the paper. I don't know if they're at your fingertips, but what, what let's say in a perfect world, what does that act ask hospitals to do? What does transparency mean in the eyes of the law as, as it's written now? Okay, well, that's a great question. And on the federal side, there's a, it's a pretty clear cut answer. Um, all hospitals across the country, now this is not just Massachusetts, of course, are required to put on their websites. But I wanna make that clear. This is an online law. To put on their website various prices for uh, about, we call 300 shoppable services. All right, you have, to, you have to put that up on your website. And what kinds of prices do they have to put up? They have to put up the prices that they actually pay to insurance companies, and they have to put up the price that a consumer who's not insured would have to pay to the hospital. So those are two general areas of prices that have to so, be posted. So insurance and a, and a cash price, if you will, for lack of a better yeah, term. Yeah, that's right, right. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a simple uh, uh, directive in terms of this information that has to be on hospital websites. And that's what we took a look at. We went to the websites to see whether or not hospitals were doing what the federal law says they should do. So it's online and you mentioned the term shoppable. I want to dig a little deeper on this, but uh, before we get there, how many hospitals were in your survey um, when you when you did your analysis? I assume, did you throw the net to everyone or did you try to take a, a good sampling of, of, of all types of hospitals? Well, we always, in all of the studies that Pioneer has done we've in Massachusetts, we've taken a sample of hospitals. There's approximately right now 61 acute care hospitals around the state. We sampled 19 of them. Our previous studies have done 20, 21. At one point in time, when we started out, there might've been 65 hospitals or 66, something like that. But there's been a lot of, there continues to be consolidation in the hospital marketplace. So we have fewer hospitals as time goes on. So that, but, but the, uh, quali the uh, quality of the sample is what's important. And our sample includes basically all the major hospitals, all urban hospitals, suburban hospitals spread around the state. So it's been the same um, cohort of hospitals that we've been sampling now basically since 2017. So um, you mentioned 300 uh, procedures, uh, shoppable procedures. Um, we don't have to go through all 300, but- No, I don't. <laughs> right, I, I'm sure I, I, that's not where we want to go. I wanted to just in a sense say, when, when I hear shoppable, I think, again, I mentioned this term earlier, uh, more or less a commodity, meaning an MRI at, a, at, a, at, at Mass General and one at a you know, rural hospital. One has to assume there's somewhat of a commodity. An MRI is an MRI wherever you go. That To me, that's what shoppable means. I have to be able to compare apples with apples, oh. to use a cliche. Is that what we're talking about here? And well, yeah, yeah, ahead. I mean, yeah, yes and no. Yes, yes and no. I think, uh, you know, there, this is the way the government did it. Um, CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, as you mentioned earlier, they came up with, they told hospitals, you have to publish prices for 300 shoppable services, but we're going to give you 
70, that's 7-0, and you must do these 70. They were picked by CMS. Hospital, then you can go ahead and fill in the other 230 for your total of 300. So we have 70 prescribed, and they are, you know, they, they, many of them are, rel are pretty routine, electrocardiograms, MRIs of your joint, of this and that, uh, 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 brain scans to, to really more sophisticated and really highly technical medical services, such as you know, heart surgery, brain surgery, and things of that nature. So, I mean, some of the shoppable services that CMS has in their list are pretty, um, I mean, they, they cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And as a realistic matter, you're not going to be shopping for that kind of a, so you're right. What you're looking for is the more routine things, which comprise, you know, much of, of what we spend in terms of healthcare. So that's the kind of thing. I mean, I can give you, if you let me cheat for a second, sure, a couple sure. of Go ahead. If you've got it in front of you, just, uh, you know, again, our-, our Yeah, you, you know, mammograms, electrocardiograms, that, okay. that kind of thing. Indeed. Okay. So that people Very understand, common. okay, I, you know, I'm, go I'm heading for one of these tests. Let's, let's find out where I can uh, find the best price. Um, now, another concept in your paper you mentioned quite a bit is uh, that the information has to be consumer friendly. So we've got this mandate for uh, a particular 70 shoppable procedures. Now that information for that price has to be consumer friendly. How is it? I mean, we all, I hope almost all of us are able to get online and find prices for airlines and, you know, whatever. Uh, what does consumer friendly information for a uh, electrocardiogram look like? How do you define it? Or is it defined? Well, I don't, <laughs> the federal government, unfortunately, did not define it. So that's a good question. In other words, the CMS, as you mentioned before, they don't say to hospitals, this is what we consider to be consumer friendly. It has to be easy for someone to go to your homepage and then to get from your homepage to the price of your MRI. Uh, they don't give that kind of instruction to hospitals. All they say, and these are the words, quote unquote, consumer friendly. What we did when we our researchers did in, in, in terms of the studies, we went to these 21 hospitals and we went online and we we actually documented how easy or how difficult it was for our researchers, and they're pretty smart and they're very technically astute. But you know, we're trying to be ordinary consumers. But how difficult or easy was it to find a price going from the homepage to the uh, to the price listing wherever that was buried within the uh, uh, web the, the web pages of the hospital? In some cases, it was pretty hard. In some cases, um, it was a circuitous roundabout route. Um, some cases it wasn't. It was pretty easy. So it varied. And one of the problems that one of the things we recommend, Joe, in our in our findings here and recommendations is that the federal government define what consumer friendly is and that they tell hospitals, why don't you put a link from your home page, you know, that first page that people go to directly to the pricing information? Why don't you do that so that folks go to the home page, they see the link and they can go directly and find out what a price is. But that's something that they have not done. Indeed. So we've, this is so good searching. Good luck searching. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a big build up, and so uh, I do want to ultimately come to the uh, the conclusion or the observations of the paper before we go to the recommendations of the paper. Uh, but we've touched on all the issues involved. So ultimately, you've looked uh, at uh, these hospitals. You've taken a survey. You're looking for these shoppable products that are and the information being consumer friendly. Uh, this mandate has been around since 2020. It's now 2022. Go ahead. Tell us, how did our hospitals do? Uh, well, the answer is, 
Okay. Uh, not great. The, the as we said in our the title to our report, compliance is uneven, and that's kind of a polite way of saying you know it really could be a lot better. So what we found is that um, um, thirty uh, what's the thirty five thirty six percent of the hospitals we surveyed uh, had did not have this cash discounted cash price information available for consumers. It just isn't there. We checked. We double checked. We didn't just go once, you know, our, our researches were very thorough, uh, could not be found. So, but that said, you know, there's um, 64% uh, around there, that around that percent that did have, that did provide discounted cash price. That, that didn't mean that they did it for all of those services that they're supposed to. That type of compliance varied from like 60% of the services that they're supposed to post the cash discounter price for to 95%. So it it varied. Compliance, when there was compliance, also varied uh, among the hospitals. Um, what we found, and, and you know, that finding about compliance with the federal transparency law was, you know, somewhat consistent with the findings from our previous reports. Uh, that began back in 2017 in terms of an unevenness among hospitals with respect to making prices available to consumers in an easy, consumer-friendly way. So again, as I said when we started talking, unfortunately, not a lot has changed on the provider front here. Well, your uh, paper also did, beyond saying um, you know, uh, many of the hospitals, I guess a little more than a third of the hospitals have really little or no useful information for consumers, but those that did provide the information, the actual cash or uh, uh, price for consumers, you found huge disparities amongst uh, what we've identified as shoppable, that is something approaching a commodity where one can expect a, a similar uh, procedure to happen in one place as, as another. Share with our listeners the range that the, the, you know, once you have that information, what did your uh, researchers find as far as the range of prices? Well, they range considerably. And if I can give you a couple of examples here, let's just say an MRI of a leg. Uh, MRIs are very common. You know, we're all getting older. We all need our knees replaced, our hips, whatever it might be. So MRIs of leg joints, whether you're young or older, is certainly uh, a service that everyone can identify with. And there, you know, we have prices that range from, and I'm going to use some names here because our sure. study certainly does. So, for yeah. example, Kearney Hospital, all right, in Dorchester, um, for an MRI of a leg joint, $775. And if you want to go to Brigham, Brigham and Women's, $3,461. So I don't know think you, about that for a minute, okay? Yeah, I, I, did your test just talk about how far apart those hospitals are? We're assuming these are both yes, the, it did. The equal quality and how far, you know. I, I think they're 10 miles apart. 10 miles, right? I don't know what the cab price would be, maybe uh, 40 bucks, but... Right, uh, right. Yeah, 3,000 versus 700, right? Right, right, yeah. And I'll, let me give you another one. Um, this one isn't quite as large. Well, here's a, here, an ultrasound of the abdomen, another common procedure. Someone, uh, many, many people have to undergo this. And there the disparities aren't quite as large, but they're still not insignificant. And again, Kearney in Dorchester, $482, so say $500. But let's go over to Concord, Mass., um, there is a you know, obviously a difference in uh, uh, travel there at the Emerson Hospital in Concord, about eleven hundred dollars. So you have five hundred dollars at the Kearney, you have eleven hundred dollars 
at the um, Emerson Hospital in Concord. Now, you do have to ask, what, what, anytime you see these kinds of price disparities, particularly if I can go back to the MRI of the leg joint with Carney at 775 and Brigham at almost 3,500, what, what is it about an MRI of a leg joint that makes it four times more expensive at one hospital than another? Or, or what is it about an ultrasound of the abdomen that makes it twice as high at one hospital than another? Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any answers to that question. And if I can just digress for one quick minute here sure. in terms of hospital costs, you know, um, we we really do have to, we, we have very high costs in Massachusetts, as we know. Um, the whole country has high health care costs. The problem is that hospitals themselves don't know what many things, what, what, what their own costs are. So a lot of the prices that we're seeing are, may not be necessary at all because we the hospitals themselves don't understand their own cost accounting procedures. And that's because they don't follow the same kind of costing methodologies that every other industry in the country does. They don't, you know, they, I don't want to get into a whole digression here, but that particular point of hospital cost accounting being very problematic is one of the reasons why um, we see these disparities. These disparities also reflect something called market power. And everybody knows what market power is. It's the power to command a higher price than your competitor because you might be offering some kind of a better value. Studies have shown here in Massachusetts that there's very, that especially in terms of these shoppable services, the ones that we've just been talking about, there's not a little, lot of differentiation. There's, there's not a lot of difference with respect to quality. So you have the same procedure, you have the same quality, and yet you have these two times to four times uh, difference uh, in, in, in prices. And so how is that explained? It's called unwarranted price variation, by the way. When you, when you subtract out any quality component, you find out there isn't any. Why are these prices this way? And the reason is very simple, because they can get those prices. Because, mm -hmm. because I have the power to charge my... Uh, my, my insurance company customers or my other customers, uh, employers or whatever, I have the power to extract that kind of price. That's what market power is. Indeed. That is can, a big problem. That's a yeah, big can problem. Can we imagine uh, paying uh, $5 for gas in Dorchester and $25 for gas in, uh, in no, Brooklyn? Exactly. So exactly. It, it's absurd. Exactly. And, but I, Good example. I, I, I find it less uh, less uh, mysterious because I just say, um, as you mentioned, uh, hospitals don't know what their um, procedures cost or what they charge. It's uh, because uh, it's, you know your overpaying is is their uh, is their profit, so they they're paid handsomely to not know this information. Um, is you know there's you know. Uh, yeah, you know, of course, that's perhaps obvious to our to our listeners as they listen to this story unfold. What I like about your paper, though, beyond just saying, "Look, this is a problem. Uh, it's costing us a lot of money uh, uh, as as healthcare consumers." You do have some, I think, very very useful recommendations for um, what hospitals could do themselves to improve their um, their transparency. Um, so let's start there. What if you were uh, head of um, uh, who scored a zero, our, our very own Mass General, I, I can see out uh, the roof of it out my window. Um, who, what would you do if you were a king for a day and were head of Mass General and you wanted our consumers, be, be they cash um, 
healthcare consumers or small businesses, what would you do to make um, your hospital more transparent? Well, I will say this much in terms of mass general, you just happened to pick, I mean, you picked a good hospital to, to, um, to talk about, but in our survey, they actually did very well in terms of, not in terms of price disparities, they're always on the high end, but in terms okay. of transparency, they are telling you, you know, okay, it, it's like there, but, but still, so let's just say, you know, um, uh, Leahy didn't come out so great in some in some areas, and and there were other hospitals too. But I'll, but but there should be one person in charge of price transparency in the hospital because there there isn't just a federal law. There's also state laws, and what we found in our in our uh, in, in doing the work that we've been doing at Pioneer is that it really takes a culture. You know, it, transparency is something that has to be become acculturated um, uh, within an institution. And in order to do that, you have to empower your managers, your administrators. So there needs to be some empowerment of with respect to an office that is completely in charge of price transparency and making sure that consumers have it. So all of these things that we talked about, the website not being consumer friendly, uh, prices not being posted, all of that can be in one one person's responsibility or one office's responsibility. So that's the the first thing that we do we do recommend. Um, we also do recommend that um, hospitals make it easy on their websites. As I mentioned earlier, let's Let's have we, have, we recommend that the federal government get involved here and define consumer-friendly uh, transparency. But if they're not going to do that, then hospitals can do this. And they can put a link on their homepage to the pricing information. That is a very simple thing to do, and they should do it. The other thing that we, rec one of the things we recommend that I found, um, I actually found myself because I did roll up my sleeves as I always do in these studies and work alongside the researchers because I, I want to see what we're what we're seeing. Um, I, I went to one hospital and um, in Boston, uh, and and in order to get price information, I, I had to give my name and my birth date and a phone number, and I really found that offensive. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I put. Uh, I'll, tell you and our view is a secret. I didn't use my real name and I didn't use my real birthday or my real phone. I don't blame you. But I, but I thought, you know, but this is, you should not be doing this. And there's nothing, you know, that's one of the things that's kind of silent in the law. But if we're putting prices out, why do we have to identify yourself? You know, you, that's supposed to be public information. So I would say, let's get rid of that kind of intrusive you know, acquisition of personal private information, all people want to know is the price. You don't need to know how old they are or what their name is or where they live. So no, that's number three, I think. Um, we also pointed out that uh, in Massachusetts, there's something called the um, Attorney General's Community Benefit Guidelines. And in our report, we did recommend that compliance with these um, various price transparency laws is something that the attorney general's office should look look at in terms of its uh, in terms of its community benefit guidelines uh, and, and the adherence of hospitals to those guidelines but we also pointed out that there's room for the legislature here and also the executive branch of the government uh, to incent hospitals to comply um, I can give you an example of this sure. so the, we're going to talk state, about Okay, uh, at the state level, if you were a legislator, I'm changing your title from head of the hospital to now uh, the, an <laughs> oh, activist on, on, a, a, on top of Beacon Hill. What, what would you do uh, to improve the state? Well, I'd look to see what we can do to, to provide some incentives. Uh, um, Colorado, for example, passed a law that said if, if a hospital does not comply with these fe this federal law, this um, 
the law that we've been talking about that's been administered by CMS, then that hospital cannot collect medical debt. Now, we're not, we didn't recommend that Massachusetts follow that, but to take a look at what we can do to provide um, some incentive. It, you know, all hospitals are regulated by the Department of Public Health. Um, there are some other regulatory agencies involved, but DPH here in Massachusetts is the primary one. I mean, it, 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 hospitals are audited. They are uh, regulated by state authorities as well as federal authorities. This compliance with this should be part of a checklist. And, you know, there's the federal government can impose fines on hospitals and does for noncompliance, but the state can also provide. I, I'm more in favor of using a carrot in these situations. Um, but, you know, the, the state can publish a list of hospitals. I don't, why does Pioneer have to do this? Why isn't the state looking to see whether or not hospitals are complying with these state and federal laws? Why doesn't DPH publish some kind of a list so that consumers know, oh, if I want to go to hospital, Hospital ABC, I'll be able to find out the price of things. But if I go over here, they're not on the hospital transparency list. There's a lot of ways to use the bully pulpit of both the executive branch and the legislative branch to incent compliance. We really haven't done any of that, frankly, uh, which is disappointing. Indeed. And then we're, we're the, the state to simply furnish uh, compliance rates, um, then yeah. again, the market, the power of the market would take hold. And then we get down to the actual consumers, be they uh, small businesses, big businesses, and individuals who were with high deductibles, as I mentioned, uh, you said 11%, I'm characterizing as mar people who have, uh, let's say, uh, uh, high uh, elasticity of demand, they can, they can make those choices right. uh, based on price. The, um, the market can take hold. In other words, there's now a healthy incentive to be transparent, and therefore hospitals use markets uh, or the power of markets to comply rather than either a carrot or a stick. I guess that would be a carrot, right? They they want more more uh, right. consumers, so they want to be uh, more consumer friendly, uh, and and every everybody wins in that situation. Um, that that that's that's great. Uh, again, and finally, as as consumers, what can we uh, you know beyond reading your papers? and being uh, wonderful <laughs> followers of Pioneer, what can consumers do to encourage a more transparent uh, healthcare system uh, when it comes to price? Well, I'll divide consumers into two groups. You Folks like you and me, if we're you know, sort of ordinary people, and uh, we can be more inquisitive about what, what things will cost, even if we have good insurance. We, we should be, most of us should realize that you're going to pay, you pay one way or the other. You're either going to pay directly or you're going to pay through higher insurance premiums. So um, question, when a doctor says you should have X, Y, this particular test or that test, do I need this? Um, how frequently do I need it? Uh, try to find out what the price is at a particular facility um, and do a little bit of shopping yourself. Try to be price conscious. It's always fun just to ask your doctor how much something costs or to ask the office how much something costs to see. You may be surprised. You may get an answer. You may not, but you may also get an answer. Um, so the other thing that people can do, and this is really directed at companies, you know, you know, employers, large and small, um, there's a lot of data out there from this federal law. And we we talked what we've been talking about is the data for consumers, prices for consumers. But there's another side to the law, Joe, that we didn't cover. And these this is called uh, data that's in a machine readable format. It's really made for employers, large employers, and small employers to get the information that we've been talking about. How how much did this hospital pay 
uh, or how much do, is is X Y Z insurance company uh, paying this hospital for a particular service? That information is available. It is out there, and it's very useful for employers to know what their competitive what they these hospitals how what are they getting paid for certain services, and how much are you paying you that particular employer? Are you getting the best rate for your people? So I think that more. We, we more work can be done by employers and among employer groups to also be cognizant of transparency and to try to cut the best deals possible for themselves and for their, their companies and for their employees. So we're not just blaming other people. We're, we should be blaming ourselves and, and demanding well, of ourselves a little more, as yeah. you say, inquisit inquisitiveness and uh, and uh, demanding the prices that we're not getting, uh, not getting yet. Well, that's a this is a, a been a terrific uh, uh, conversation about this interesting paper. Where can our listeners find your uh, your survey, your research, your paper uh, for uh, done by Pioneer? Uh, go to the Pioneer website, pioneerinstitute.org. Org. Um, Search the website. Pretty consumer friendly, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> we're transparent. <laughs> Go to uh, look for healthcare or health policy. I forget what the exact words, but look for the words health on there and do some searching. And it should be it's it's pretty it's pretty easy to navigate the Pioneer website. But you'll find this study and then all the others that we've done in this area uh, on this particular topic. And that's wonderful. You can find your the hospital you like to go to and see how well they scored on uh, transparency. That's right. Uh, that's, right. You know, that, that, that's wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Barbara, for joining us on the Hubwonk again. Uh, you, you've been a, a great guest, and uh, uh, I'm sure our listeners are, are eager to, to, to learn more about the price, uh, price transparency. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for doing this. This has been another episode of Hubwonk. If you enjoyed today's episode, there are several ways to support Hubwonk and Pioneer Institute. It would be easier for you and better for us if you subscribe to Hubwonk on your iTunes podcatcher. If you'd like to help make it easier for others to find Hubwonk, it would be great if you offer a five-star rating or a favorable review. Of course, we're grateful if you want to share Hubwonk with friends. If you have ideas or comments or suggestions for me about future episode topics, you're welcome to email me at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join me next week for a new episode of Hubwonk. <laughs>